0: Thank you. Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Overnight, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello! And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello! Um, Brits, uh, OMG, yeah. you got a new
1: background. What's I, up? I do! Yeah, so this is exciting. I have a brand new PC, courtesy of AMD, and we're working on making some fun horror let's play content that should be hitting our youtube channel very soon that's youtube.com slash plus Good games so because of that i decided like hey i mean we've been talking about this for a while right moving my little desk away from the green screen of i wasn't call it green screen of death but i have no reason to call it that (laughs) it just sounded it could be a
2: green screen of death depending on what you put yourself into that's true you could make yourself out into somewhere else
1: yeah or maybe it would have fallen off like the tax and it would have suffocated me and that would have been really bad Anyway, yeah, so long story short, I am here in my in my room that I used to do all of my blonde nerd videos at that I'll typically do my vlogs from. So it's exciting. I like I like being in here. I have a nice view of the yard outside. What do people call that feng shui or something?
2: The the mood Oh, no, feng shui is like about where things are positioned in your house and like which direction they face northwest, southeast, that kind of thing. Oh,
1: it absolutely had no, had nothing to do with how I placed (laughs) anything in here. So that's
0: definitely not it.
1: But no, it feels good. I, I like being in here. It's nice. It's cooler. It's just a good spot to be.
0: Well, I'm so glad that our friends over at AMD were able to make that possible because I know that you and I have literally been talking about it for six months, seven months, Mm -hmm. maybe longer, about making that switch. And so I'm glad that they were able to light the fire. They did. Um, And I look forward to seeing what you make with them. Um, In case you guys miss it, of course, this is What's Good Games. We thank you guys so much for supporting everything that we do. We've got some awesome streams coming up this weekend. That's right, starting Saturday, June 29th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's right. It's time to wake up and have some mimosas for a happy hour Q&A that happens over on patreon.com slash what's good games. You can get all of the link and stream info. And then, after that, at 12 p.m. Pacific time, we're going to do the after-hour stream. This is where we play games with you, sometimes with you, if we can get the connection to work. And if we're playing a game where... There actually are multiple players. (laughs) Um, But I think um, we talked about potentially picking up our Until Dawn playthrough.
1: I have my heart set on that. I'm really excited. I want to see what happens. Yeah.
0: I have to logistically figure out where I can put the camera so that you guys can see what's happening in the game, not on a delay.
2: Oh. I mean, we've played before in some wonky situations. Brittany and I are veterans at the until dawn weird delay games very true we
1: can just facetime with it worst case scenario we'll facetime with your tv it'll we'll be great figure, we'll
2: figure just, it out yeah just bring like a battery pack to plug <laughs> yeah. your phone into so that it doesn't die during the stream well hopefully we don't have to resort
0: to that i've got lots of equipment in here that we can make something happen with um it also is the very end of June, as you guys are aware. And as you can see, I'm wearing my What's Good Games Pride shirt. Looks real so good. Those Pride shirts are still on sale uh, through the end of the month. And of course, as a reminder, all of the profits through the end of June go to the Gay and Lesbians Alliance Against Defamation. Yes, glad. Our partners over at Teespring have facilitated that for us. They actually. Send the money directly to GLAAD, which is so awesome and convenient that we get to work with a fantastic partner, not only like Teespring, but of course, the nonprofit organization that does um, do lots of great work promoting the voices of the LGBTQ community. So don't forget what's good slash store. If you want to get in there, we have three different designs and a variety of different pieces of apparel to choose from. So go on over there and check that out. And Brittany, we also have been promoting our return to another social media platform. Reddit. Yeah, it's really exciting.
1: So we finally
0: have control over
1: our little Reddit space. Okay. Is it called a Reddit subreddit or a Reddit page? It's a subreddit. Okay, so we now have control of the What's Good Games subreddit, and it's really fun. Last I checked, we have about 720, 730 members, and I popped in there to say hello. basically admit I had no idea what I was doing in this Reddit sphere, and everyone was really kind and nice, and we chatted about video games. There was a fun thread in there today about games that What's Good Games got other people to play, and that was really fun to read. I'm a fan. I think I like our little corner on the internet, so I'm going to be there more often. We'll be there more often. Pop in, say hi, Hello. I think it's just Reddit. What's the what's the URL? See, I don't know. I'm gonna find it right now. It's just
0: say yeah, R slash what's good games. Really? That's it. That's, That's it. Well, That's
2: full- how Reddit works, sort of. Yeah. Kind of. I don't really know. I don't go to Reddit, <laughs> but you can and you probably wow. should. <laughs> um,
0: and wow. I am blown away by the amount of people that wrote in to us asking to be part of our Reddit mod community. I had no idea there were so many of you that are active on Reddit that are eager to help us um, moderate the What's Good Games subreddit. So I have tried to respond to as many emails as possible. I've gotten to almost all of them, but essentially um, we're compiling all of the emails and we're going to be going through and looking at them all, and we'll let you guys know know if we you have been selected to be a mod but thank you so much to everybody who has written in to be like i'll do it yeah um that was really really awesome of you guys you're the you're the best guys yeah. the best there ever was to catch you is our real
1: test train you is our cause we will travel i mean we don't want land. to train you because that would be b- weird and b- your people, b- b- and b- you b- should each really
2: Pokemon. do what you feel is best in life and each listener follow your understand inner compass moral compass that's inside the apparent inside is the moral compass that your parents should give to you (laughs) as you go on this life journey
0: i thought for a second brit that she was actually gonna let you sing the song but no she literally talked over you the whole time i know and then (laughs) i was like okay i'll stop it's a bit (laughs) i mean i laughed i thought it was (laughs) (laughs) oh god oh yeah it's gonna be one of those shows Um, it's good, definitely going to be one of those shows. I think we're all feeling just a little bit, uh, a little bit burned out. Um, one last piece of housekeeping. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to everybody who stopped by my Guardian Con stream for St. Jude's last weekend. So many of you guys showed up in such a big way. Whether just supporting me in the chat or making a donation to benefit the sick children that the St. Jude's Children's Hospital Network benefits, uh, we raised over nine thousand oh, dollars. Damn, um, in our block, which was super awesome. I mean, sure, Doctor Lupo raised almost a million dollars in his block. <laughs> you know what? It's not. <laughs> but oh, it's not. It's not
2: a race. Doctor Lupo not did not a wear not a, a cat contest. hat. Contest. There you
0: go. True. He didn't wear a variety of masks and hats. He did a bunch of other things. But um, what was great about Dr. Lupo is that he does a lot of charitable fundraising through his uh, various Twitch streams and he's been a staunch supporter of St. Jude's. And of course, when you have somebody like State Farm Insurance coming in and making a big donation or someone like Ninja dropping you know, a ton of money, it helps uh, boost the overall sales. But honestly, um, the fact that we got over 9000 is crazy. And because of that, Banandria Renee <laughs> is going to make an appearance on the Kind of Funny Games cast. That was uh, John Drake's show of choosing uh, for me to wear a full banana costume, which has been ordered. Uh, we don't know which episode it will be yet, but I'll, I'll let you guys know. Um, and then uh, everybody who donated at the $50 level or more is going to get an MP3 of Steimer's famous growl. Ooh, oh, boy.
2: Do you already have that, or do you need me to make one? No, we'll we'll...
0: I'll, I'll voice actor direct you through it. Okay, it's cool. Be, it's going to be great. <laughs> and then um, several people also chipping in $250 or more to get a custom piece of Microsoft paint art. Oh, boy. For one Brittany Brombacher. <laughs> Frame this. Hang it on your wall. It's
1: going to be worth so much money. Don't pull out
0: your retirement. Spend it
1: on hookers and drugs because I'm telling you, this painting Wait. you're going to get is going to supplement you for the rest of your life. It's going to be worth that much money. You seem confused I, by what I, I am, said. I
2: am confused. By <laughs> I'm confused at the pull out your money and spend it on hookers and drugs. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought it was self explanatory. <laughs> yeah, but like why? The, what I don't understand how that's connected to the painting. Okay, Here, let me break it down for you, baby girl. Okay, okay so okay. <laughs> you've been working hard your whole
1: life. I have. I been, have. I work like a dog. You worked so hard. You have a retirement for when you eventually. Retired, and you're going to pull all that money out you're not going to spend on the grandkids you're not going to spend on your mortgage you No, know, you're going to spend it on hookers and, and booze and drugs but i'm telling you is live your best life now pull that money out now and spend on whatever you want because if you donated 250 dollars or more and you're getting a microsoft painting of mine it's, it's going to be, be worth, worth okay, more than your retirement
2: yeah i'm i'm on the train now okay, i'm choo, on the brit choo choo motherfucker train. yeah <laughs> choo choo motherfucker
1: I think yeah. um, what this means, though, is in October, we all need to have our Halloween costumes. Steimer's the strawberry. You're going to be the, the banana. Strawberry. And then Ooh. I just need to be something else. Like, Ooh. what can I be that would
0: make sense? What fruit would you want to be? I mean, there's literally a million sexy fruit costumes out there, so we can find something. <laughs> okay, is perfect. mine sexy? Am no, I a but, sexy strawberry? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think we can't do the sexy fruits because oh. clearly mine's like a full banana. And Steimer was a full <laughs> strawberry. So we'll find
2: something for Perfect. you. We'll find a full. I don't know. I need a, a fruit. A, a full kiwi. bodied fruit.
0: A kiwi. Great. An orange. An apple. Maybe you can be a bunch of grapes. Oh, my God. Yes, they have those. And they have <gasps> oh, a little like a little a one.
2: Yes. Oh, you'll be our grapes. I'm, you'll be yeah. our bundle. Of, you're our bundle of grapes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. This is good. It's going to be great. Maybe we should talk okay. about things now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, a big shout out and thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Lincoln Davis, Alex Rogopoulos, Faris Ate, and Mohammed, Muhammad, And welcome to our Patreon community, John Corwell IV, James Jackson, Michaela Sage, Matthew Wake, Adam Bankhurst. Wait, Adam Bankhurst? I know that guy. Rory O'Connor and Robert Kober. Wait, That's a
2: Robert Cobra? Is, that a,
0: is may, that a real name? I may have left
2: out a T. Robert. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I'm
0: like, Robert
2: I'm okay. Like, hold on. Okay, Although, hold on. If Robert that's your real name, that's is amazing. A fantastic name. <laughs> it is, oh, it's Rob Cober. Right. I added Cobra. the ER.
1: Why did I do that? <laughs>
2: Because you were like you were like this rhymes and I like it.
1: <laughs> Rob Cober, you are now ro- robber Cober, robber
0: Cober. Congratulations on your name page, <laughs> robber Cober. Who, robber Cober? Um, okay, thank you so much to everybody for joining our community at Patreon.com/slash What's Good Games. Um, this week, our show is brought to you by Calm, DoorDash, and Grammarly. And now it's time to get into the news. Woo. The news this week is brought to you by Calm. The World Health Organization has named the health epidemic of the 21st century. Wait. The World Health Organization has named the health epidemic of the 21st century. You heard correctly. Do you know what it is? stress. We're feeling more uncertainty and anxiety than ever before. And that's why we're partnering with Calm, the number one rated app for meditation. When you meditate, your brain chemistry changes. Meditation has been shown to slow down the release of stress chemicals into your bloodstream, like cortisol and adrenaline, giving you some much needed relief. With Calm, you'll discover a whole library of simple guided meditations on themes like anxiety creativity and focus they even have other resources to help you relax like sleep stories music and more so if you're stressed take a deep breath and get calm now i like doing this every time uh, we have calm on the show because ah so relaxing it's just so soothing listening to the sweet sounds of water and birds. And this is, you guys, this is literally me just opening the app. I haven't even looked at I haven't even opened anything, um, any of the different things. But... We love uh, working with Calm. They have all kinds of great sleep music. If you're like me and you need to have some kind of white noise when you sleep, they have that. Or they have different types of music that you can listen to. The sleep stories are great as well. So if you guys are looking for a nice, easy way to get into meditation and learn about meditation, the Calm app is a great place to start. If you go to what's, or excuse me, calm.com slash what's good, you can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. That's C A L M. Dot com slash what's good to get 25% off of a calm premium subscription 40 million people have downloaded calm find out why at calm.com slash what's good all right our first story of the day is a very interesting one. Dead Space creators new studio to develop PUBG's narrative experience. This write up comes from IGN. Glenn Schofield, the former vice president and general manager of Sledgehammer Games and Visceral Games, who was instrumental in creating Dead Space and co directed multiple Call of Duty games, has been named the head of Striking Distance Studio by PUBG Corporation and will be creating an original narrative experience within the PUBG universe. PUBG Corporation announced that. The news today that Schofield will be building a world class development team from the ground up to help create this new narrative experience within the player unknowns battlegrounds universe. The new studio will be located in San Ramon, California. Quote, Throughout my career, I've had lots of opportunities to make some remarkable games that tell incredible stories, and each of them has meant something special to me, said Schofield. But now, those learnings will help me build a AAA team that can explore new designs and concepts at striking distance. As a creator the freedom to explore the PUBG universe has me excited about the possibilities, which I view as beyond the Battle Royale genre. Today represents a special moment for me, and I'm so thankful to be taking this journey with the team at PUBG Corporation. End quote. Schofield has been in the gaming industry for a long time and was director on such games as... Gex 3D into oh, yeah. the Gecko, Blood Omen 2, Legacy of Kain. He then went on to create and be an executive producer on Dead Space before co-founding the Sledgehammer Games and co-directing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, and Call of Duty World War 2. Unknown's Battlegrounds, which recently became the fifth best-selling game of all time, with over 50 million copies sold, took the world by storm with its Battle Royale gameplay.
1: Hot. Damn. I think this is actually really exciting. I I do too. Yeah. PUBG is not a game for me. Obviously, like, there's not a lot of story going on there. And plus, like, I just suck. But taking (laughs) the talent of Glenn and taking this universe that's been created, I mean, my only plebe analyst on this is like, I think of a game like The Hunger Games, right? Where it's like you have all these, or sorry, a movie, and you have all these people trying to survive. So I think about how could you turn that into a video game? And Hunger Games is very exciting to me and I like watching it. It's fun. Don't ask me what happens. I couldn't tell you because I watch these things and I forget. But I remember enjoying myself in the moment. So if you take this idea and you turn it into a game, I think you could do some interesting narrative things with this. You know, are you going to do the same sort of thing where all of a sudden you have to join all these other people and you have to live in this dome life like that reality TV series that they're making, except for you can actually die? And how they can spin that and are they going to make it so – and this is where my mind goes. Maybe, you know, you might not win if you don't make the right decisions or maybe you're going to have to win and you just have to make the right decisions. I don't know. It's exciting. I'm here for it.
0: I have no idea what a narrative experience is going to look like since – I'm really unfamiliar if there's any
2: deep lore to the PUBG universe. They're a all? frying pans. I pants. mean, they can make it. Like, I think the that's kind of the beauty of what Glenn could do here is just craft it into whatever he wants. My only mm-hmm. my only concern is uh, the engine of what they're using. Like, I don't know how interested in this I'm going to be if it's kind. Of, it's like the same engine that they're making that they make PUBG in because it, it's a it's serviceable engine for what it is for this. Mm-hmm. Battle Royale, but I don't know that it's definitely not going to be able to compete with anything like Battlefield or Call of Duty or any of these shooters that come out with these really beautiful, brilliant campaigns. Um, So that would be my only thing where I I feel Uh. like they would need to do some engine work before they could really.
1: So I guess that that. makes a lot of sense. You're probably thinking it's going to be more along the line of like a Call of Duty campaign, maybe or something
2: like that. That's what what just reading the headline. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought it meant. I don't, I like, you know, like listen to the story and like, that's the only thing I could think of it, but maybe mm-hmm. it's something different. I'm not really sure. It is whatever a narrative experience, <laughs> <is>. <laughs> whatever you want. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I was thinking I was to me that translates to single player mm-hmm. campaign. Right. Um, But it is possible that they are doing something super wacky, which I, I'm all, I, I'm here for. Go ahead. Do something yeah,
1: because I think about PUBG and I think it's a game that I mean, obviously it's realistic esque compared to especially games like fortnite but i don't think it's a game that takes itself way too seriously so with that i think there's probably some room for some quirkiness maybe for no not so much a linear first person campaign but maybe something that's a little more open where you have other characters this is a a really cool opportunity if there is not a lot of lore which i really you never hear anyone talking about the lore of PUBG to really create lore and create um yeah like an actual story livable breathable Setting around PUBG, and it could it could be really fun.
2: That's actually an interesting point, where it could, and instead of being like a a campaign, you like traditional campaign, it could be something more where it's just a uh, PVE ish or like mm-hmm. whatever. Like, there's just not a lot of other players around to kind of fuck you up. Um, or, I mean, it technically, it doesn't say it's even single player, so it could be a narrative experience together, which would be interesting.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I guess we'll find out. Maybe we'll get some necromorphs back. Bring back Dead space. real. Oh. But it it kind of has to make you wonder, and this is kind of on topic, kind of not, like what the hell is going on at Sledgehammer Games right now? You know, I know they left back in, was it February of last year, Glenn and his uh, co-founder Michael Condry, I think his name is? Correct. Was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just recently, a piece came out um, from Kotaku. 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 Ooh, tacos. <laughs> Dude, tacos sounds so good. Saying that Treyarch is now heading the 2020 title, which Sledgehammer and Raven were working on. Um, and it's kind of like, well, why is that happening? Like, what's going on at Sledgehammer? It's kind of related, kind of not. Kind of got to wonder. Well,
0: yeah. So whenever there's a change in leadership like that, with especially with both of them leaving to go do other things, I'm sure that ripples out and is going to affect their production timelines because they might want to, you know, change some priorities around. Whoever the new leadership that's coming in might want to put their stamp on things and work out a flow with the team and obviously has to integrate into the Activision ecosystem because they are so heavily involved in whatever is going on at Sledgehammer. Um, I think it would be interesting to see, you know, be a fly on the wall and figure out, like, what is actually going on. Yeah. But I have no doubt that they'll work it out. You know, oh, I yeah. Think right na- I think right now, like, Call of Duty as a franchise clearly needs to figure out a way to reinvent itself, and Infinity Ward is taking up that mantle with what they're doing with Modern Warfare, and I think if it's successful, that might dictate what these other studios are doing, and Activision's probably aware of that and maybe doesn't necessarily want too much rocking the boat right now until they figure out what their strategy is for the next like five years, going into the next
2: generation yeah. of of consoles. Flash All up, I can say is market. I would feel bad for Treyarch being like, God damn it.
1: Now we have to do a, a Blox <laughs> 5 in
2: 2020. Yeah. Our timeline moved up by a year. Fuck.
1: I guess the only saving grace in that would be you would think Sledgehammer and Raven would have kind of a concrete foundation already set that they've been working on, and hopefully it's just okay, come in and Blopsify it. Do your Blobsify magic. That Blobsify,
0: Blobsify. That Blobsify, Blobsify dust. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, let's move on to the next story. Brittany, would you like to read this one? I would love to. <clears throat>
1: Respawn addresses underwhelming Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order gameplay releases extended version via Eurogamer. It's fair to say the initial public reaction to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order's gameplay was subdued. In response to the 15 minute gameplay clip shown at EA Play before E3, fans said they felt underwhelmed by the combat and expressed disappointment at what they considered to be bland and linear gameplay. To add to the confusion, journalists were then shown an extended version of this demo later on at EA Play, which displayed a cinematic ATAT, right? I always want to say at that. You can say, you at, can at, say and at people and people get mad at me. Okay. A brief well, I think
2: look, they say it in the, in the extended
0: demo. I think he says at at. It's like 50-50. I did a poll on Twitter once to find out what the definitive way was, and it was like split right down the middle. Okay. Potato, patata.
1: So to not piss everyone off, which displayed the cinematic AT at scene, a brief look at the (laughs) skill tree save points, alternative paths, and additional combat combinations produced through the mastering of special abilities. And then during E3 itself, several journalists, including the writer of the story, were able to go hands-on with an extended extended version of the gameplay demo which displayed more of the metroidvania influences and gave critics an understanding of what the mechanics actually felt like having watched the gameplay demo and then played the game i was surprised at the depth of combat this is from the writer's perspective surprised at the depth of combat mechanics under the surface they're solid even if they're not yet perfect but also that the metroidvania elements were not initially shown to the public now fallen order's game director stig oh god Stig Asmussen. Asmussen, Asmussen, thank you, has addressed the fan reaction to that public gameplay demo and Respawn has released the extended gameplay footage shown to press. Quote, we spent months going back and forth discussing the best strategy to release this content and ultimately decided for the first look, it was critical to present a focused 15 minutes of raw in-game footage highlighting lightsaber gameplay that speaks to the Jedi fantasy in an empowering way, Asmussen explained in the blog post. But it should not be mistaken that our combat is overpowered or easy, he continued. I promise there is considerable, t- considerable challenge and depth to be found within our combat system. The same can be said about our approach to level design, which is crafted in a nonlinear way with heavy influences from games like Metroid, Castlevania, and the Soul series. But The game will, re- will feature several planets that the player can elect to travel to via Starship. On these worlds, unique abilities and upgrades can be found that open new paths across other planets, making retroversal an, an essential part of the gameplay experience. The reason for not showing all this in the initial demo, Asmussen explained, was because it is, quote, a lot to describe in 15 minutes of gameplay, and getting hands on the full 25 minute experience is best to completely understand it. While Asmussen believes the game is on track in terms of making the gameplay, quote, feel good, he said Respawn is still continual playtesting to ensure the game challenges even the most skilled player while not alienating those who want to take a more casual approach, aka baby ass, a baby mode.
2: And hey, yes.
1: And maybe most importantly, we also want to make sure that the game is delivering on the core promise of becoming a Jedi.
2: A Jedi means I stab you in the face with the with a laser bullet that you said. Tit- it me. You fucked me up a little Brittany and then I by mess with words. I
1: try to like vibe with you. Usually we vibe really good. <laughs> you said laser, I said lightsaber. And it just No, because
2: I my favorite part of the whole demo was when he slowed the bullets down and then was oh, like, yeah. and you come here and I kill you with your own bullet. Your yeah. own laser bullet. Because like that's pillow. that's like that's a bad way to go.
0: Yeah. You played so, yourself. So both of you had the opportunity to see this behind closed doors presentation. Do you agree that they should have put this out at EA play and not held it? Or do you think it was the right call for them to hold and then release it later?
2: You know, at E3 in general this year, it was sort of a a few head scratchers and that I think the behind closed doors content was stronger than what they showed at press conferences and the press conferences or the, presentations are where you have the most eyes so I, it to me it doesn't make a lot of sense to show the weaker asset there granted obviously you wouldn't want to <laughs> then then there comes the thing of like what's the appeal of going to the event which is a different question for a different day but i always firmly believe like if you have something that really showcases how the game looks and plays and it's really the first look of the game do it well because that's your first impression and yeah. i actually i felt this way about avengers as well
1: yeah, this um, totally encompasses how I felt about the Jedi Fallen Order gameplay. I saw it when I was getting ready to head to EA Play with Steimer, and she and I actually talked about it on the way to EA Play, and I said, it looks fine. You know, based on what we said, I said, it looks like Uncharted meets Star Wars. This is the Amy Hennig game we never got, right? But uh, it didn't really do anything for me. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, clearly, by how I pronounce "at," but I, I just if I'm gonna play this game, I need something compelling. And what I saw during that first fifteen minutes didn't really do anything for me. I'm like, sure, it looks fun, it looks like a linear story, and then like maybe I'll hop into it. I mean, I definitely will hop into it, but didn't do anything for me that like my, my skirt didn't get blown up. But then after we saw the behind closed doors stuff, after I walked out of that demo, I was like, Holy shit, this looks so good. I was so pumped. And they showed so much more stuff that gave the game so much more context, and it showed that you know, you are walking around. You are talking to people. It's not like you're just going from point A to point B in this, like, pre-constructed level design. And now that they're talking about the Metroidvania elements and you can go from planet to planet, like, that's all super exciting stuff. And it's too bad that that wasn't included. And I get it's tricky. You know, I get you have to appease different... You have to try to appease everyone within those first 15 minutes. The people who are wanting to play it because it's a video game, people who just are interested because it's a Star Wars thing. But, yeah, it... it it didn't I, – I, but after I saw the behind-closed-door stuff, just speaking personally, I was sold. But it wasn't until I saw that that I was sold.
0: Yeah, I heard from a couple of other judges that they were able to get some hands-on time with the game That's as well, assholes. which I know if I had only known. Um, but I think I agree with you, Britt, that uh, they should have put their best foot forward. I have been – likening some of these behind-closed-doors demos to the Hall H panels you see at Comic-Con. We have San Diego Comic-Con coming up here in just a couple of weeks. And how so many of those panels never get released to the public. And then the trailers are either leaked because somebody's like, you know, Got their phone, the Sneaky squirrel. Like doing, like a, doing a sneaky um, a recording like the Avengers demo that leaked. Um, Or the studios will release it a couple of weeks later because the people who run Comic-Con want to incentivize fans to show up in person. Um, at the theater, which I understand. And so I think that's where a lot of these behind closed doors demos come from. And also the idea that the people that are invited to those BCD demos are generally members of the press that can tell the difference between like an alpha build and a beta build and know like if there's a a bug or a mistake that it's not going to be final code in the game and be able to have a more discerning eye than just a, a general Star Wars fan who walked in off the street for EA Play. Um, But I agree that Star Wars should have been the big focus. Obviously, they led their live stream on Saturday with it. But I really would have loved to see them dedicate the whole first hour of that stream just to Star Wars and show that full 25 minute gameplay clip in give context while they're playing through it. So
1: yeah. And going back to what you said, Simer, <laughs> it does remind me a lot of the Avengers. Because all I've Excuse seen me. is the stuff during the Square Enix press conference. I haven't seen what you and Andrea have seen. And so right now on that game, I'm kind of like, eh, it sounds like every other, and this is me generalizing as, again, not like a huge Avengers fan, like a, a your typical run of the mill action adventure game with an Avengers skin. Like, I haven't seen anything that's getting me all hot and bothered. So it, it's kind of interesting, the route that's being taken. Like you said, a few head scratchers, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Hall H thing is certainly a method you can choose, but... And then I think Gears did this, too, and it was also weird. Like, Gears didn't show any gameplay, and we were like, why did you not show any gameplay? Is it because you you feel like everybody already knows what Gears of War looks like, so you don't need to show gameplay? I don't know. I don't understand the mentality behind it, but like all of your press conferences and stages, that is where you show your games and put your best foot forward. And that is where you have the the biggest amount of people. And yes, you want to give something special to those who like took the time to come and show up, but like at the detriment of in introducing your game to the world, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, and I think just going hands-on too with the title, it's a total different experience than seeing it played, right? When we saw the Final Fantasy VII re-reveal whatever trailer at uh, the press conference, obviously I was all hot and bothered and excited, but I was just as excited, if not more, to play it. And what I played was all the same stuff I had already seen in that trailer. So it's not even necessarily that it takes anything away from you, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a fine line to straddle. Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully we'll get some hands-on at PAX West later this summer Uh-oh. since the game is coming out this fall. Keep, uh, keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Steimer, yeah. you want to hit this this next story? Hit it. I'll hit it and
2: quit it. <laughs> no, I won't. I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. Epic exclusives are the, quote, only strategy to disrupt Steam's retail status quo. And this story comes to us via IGN, where I used to work once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Epic Games founder and CEO Tim Sweeney has defended the Epic Games Store's current exclusivity strategy, stating that the tactic is the only way to change the current status quo. Talking as part of a thread on Twitter, Sweeney said, quote, We believe exclusives are the only strategy that will change the 70-30 status quo at a large enough scale to permanently affect the whole game industry. The 7-30 split, revenue split, is what he's referring to there. He went on to explain that exclusives, quote, Though unpopular with dedicated Steam gamers, do work as established by the major publisher storefronts and by the key Epic Game Store releases compared to their former Steam revenue projections and their actual console sales. At current, the dominant PC storefront is Valve Steam, which currently takes a 30% cut from the retail price of the game itself. Uh, Epic takes less than half of this, with a 12% cut that leaves the game's publisher and or developer with an 88% share of the income. Sweeney has repeatedly stated that he believes that Valve's 30% cut is bad for the gaming industry at large. Quote, Will the resulting 18% increase in developer and publisher revenue benefit gamers? He said in a follow-up tweet. Quote, Such gains are generally split among one or uh, reinvestment, two, profit, and three, price reduction. The more games are competing with each other, the more likely the proceeds are to go to one and three. So, reinvestment and price. So, I believe this approach passes the test of ultimately benefiting gamers after storefronts have rebalanced and developers have reinvested more of their fruits of their labor into creation rather than taxation, he added. Sweeney often addresses complaints about Epic's exclusivity policy on Twitter. In April, he said that Epic would end exclusivity deals if Steam committed to an 88% revenue share for developers. Until then, the company intends to secure exclusives such as Metro Exodus, Borderlands 3, and Quantic Dream's previously PlayStation-exclusive library.
0: So I'm glad that this is coming up again because... We've gotten so many of you that have written into us about this. Some of you have been very respectful with mm. your discussion, and some of you have not. Just <laughs> tisk. Um, <chisk. laughs> so obviously, this is a very hot button topic, and I think Sweeney is very definitively saying here, "Hey guys, we're happy to stop the exclusives once Steam lowers their revenue share." I said months ago. That if people are upset about Epic exclusivity, they shouldn't get mad at Epic. They should go to Steam and demand that they match the revenue split. I think that's clearly the cl- the clearest path to victory here. But that's not what Steam gamers are doing. They're not going to Steam and saying, hey, Steam, don't let Epic take these games from you. Lower your revenue split. There's, no, there's absolutely no reason why Steam and Valve cannot match Epic's split. There's just literally no reason except that Valve wants more of the profit. Yep. And they want to take that profit out of the pocket of the developers who make the games that go on their platform. And if that doesn't make you angry, if you get angry because Epic wants to give more of that money back to developers instead of taking more of the profits of the platform, I don't think I can have a rational conversation with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like- I don't know what to do here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reality is, you know, exclusives when it comes down to it, you know, they're not pro-consumer. They're not. But if they are they truly believe in this this goal to get the revenue sharing down to an ADh 12 across all platforms, whatever it is they really want to do, this is the way it's going to happen, and this is how you get the conversation going. But the unfortunate reality is I looked and Steam has 90 million active monthly users. How many of those people do you think actually understand how this works, and understand, you know, how the gaming industry, how they, how they make their money? So all they're really seeing is like this game I really want is no longer available to me. What do you mean Metro Exodus was available for two weeks prior to release on Steam, and now all of a sudden it's not? And this is just, I think it's a harsh. This is it's how a change happens.
2: Reaction. Yeah, it's definitely growing pains. So like,
1: yeah. Exactly, you know, and uh, that's just kind of, that's just it, man. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, do wanna... I do love that he's basically, he's like, look, we will stop this as soon as they do. And it, it's very much putting the ball in Valve's court because, I mean, as as I feel like both of you have already said, like when you have a monopoly like steam, this is kind of the only way things get done. Like Valve isn't, they have no incentive otherwise. What else could Epic possibly do. There are no other cards to play, so you have to fo- you have to force their hand in some way or another, and this is the way to do it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting if you look at the statement that Steam put on the Metro Exodus page when it was pulled, and it starts off with saying, "We think the decision to remove the game is unfair to Steam customers, especially after a long pre sale period." We apologize to Steam customers who are expecting it to be available for sale through February fifteenth but we were only recently informed of the decision and given limited time to let everyone know.
0: And when you put out, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I agree with Valve in this case. Right. I think pulling a game that was previously on sale on the platform is bad form. I don't think epic exclusive games inherently are bad. I think that they're fine because exclusives exist on every platform. Hello, you can't play fucking Pokemon Sword and Shield on your PlayStation 4. I don't hear people crying their big crocodile tears about that. Crocodile <laughs> <and rock. laughs> <laughs> but like I mean, but like the idea, like the Metro Exodus case is—it's clearly an yes, exception that, that I was think was that bad was bad. Night. Like they should have let that game go to launch, but obviously, like the 4A and and Deep Silver who like published that game and and THQ. Very publicly said how much better the game did on Epic Game Store than they thought it was going to do. But I agree that that one case where they pulled it after it was already on sale was like, yo, maybe this is not necessary.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think there's no issue with this because I think Steam is totally correct. But when you say we think the decision to remove is unfair, they're not wrong. It kind of was a shitty move. But I think the people who don't, you know, I'm talking about the casual, I hate using that, casual gamers, the gamers that just like to play the games, <laughs> they don't follow the industry. I They're mostly know. like
2: the disengaged the gamers. They disengaged.
1: I don't know if they know the difference between something like this and another game that, you know, is just publicly out. Like Borderlands 3. It's coming to Epic, right? Do they know that there's a difference there and that Borderlands 3 might not be considered unfair? Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense here. But it's kind of like saying one thing is unfair. I'm wondering how many people are taking it. It's unfair. It's unfair. And running with that and applying it to every single case from now on. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: I think that that's a decent case. Like, I, I do wonder if they hadn't sort of got off on the wrong foot with Metro Exodus, if people would still be upset, like, right. or if it is really just they kind of stumbled out of the gate with it. And so now it's just a snowball rolling down a hill and people are piggybacking off of that one case and being like, it's bad because they did this one thing kind of poorly. Uh And therefore, all of it is bad, which I right. disagree with.
0: Yeah, so I put a link in our show notes and I'm going to tell you guys as well, if you want some more context about everything that's happening, Nathan Grayson over at Kotaku wrote a really great article that summarizes a lot of these issues titled why people are so mad about the Epic game store. And he actually published this batch back in April of this year. And he does a really fantastic job of laying out exactly the key talking points for a lot of the community members. But he also does a really thorough job of going through the conspiracy theories (laughs) and the rumors about Epic game store, including their spyware, their data usage, uh, selling, information to the Chinese government, Tencent's involvement, and really debunking a lot of these um, colloquial, not colloquial, like conventional wisdom ideas about the difference between Epic Game Store and Steam, which are true and which just flat out are fake rumors. Um, So I really highly encourage you, if you are personally invested and you have Stirrings of anger Inside your chest right now As you're listening to me say Stop being upset about Epic Game Store exclusivity you're like God damn it Andrea I tried to explain to you Why I'm so mad about it Um, First of all You should go You know Take a deep breath And then Calm Download Calm (laughs) Download the Calm At a calm.com Slash what's good Um but I, I I definitely think it's worth checking out. Um, again, why people are so mad about the Epic Game Store on Kotaku.com from from Nathan Grayson um, is a really great breakdown of everything that's been happening. And in that, they actually have a link to the current roadmap that Epic put out to kind of highlight the features that they want to add into the Epic Game Store over time, which ones they have added and which ones are on the horizon and what the timeline kind of looks at. Um, Because they made that public. They're like, hey, obviously we know we're missing a crap ton of features that Steam has and we're working on it and this is the kind of timeline as to what we're doing. It's just like it's – I feel like every time this story gets brought up, I feel like a broken record saying – Yo, it's, of course, not complete at launch. Very few games are complete at launch, let alone a digital marketplace. Now, if anybody has the means to get it done, it's Epic. Clearly, they have a a bunch of money. I think the underlying reason why they're doing what they're doing with the Epic Game Store is sound. I love the idea that... They're trying to put more money in the pockets of the people who make the games and that they're also doing cool incentive programs like the uh, Epic Game Store creator program where streamers and YouTube creators who make content around these games can also get a tiny piece of the sale instead of that money going back to the platform.
2: Valve doesn't care about any of that. No. You know what I mean? So... And another, I, 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 like a anecdote about Tim Sweeney in case you're like, you know, I, I don't know who this clown is. I don't know if I trust him. He's got billions of dollars. He's got God knows whatever fucking cars up his wazoo. I don't know. If <laughs> it, <she laughs> bought a, he actually bought a forest with some of his that's money. What, in, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Protected <laughs> land. So, yeah. So <laughs> in November of 2008, he bought 1500 acres uh, of North Carolina wilderness so that he could keep it undeveloped because people yeah. were like looking to develop this land he's gone he's bought a lot of land in North Carolina to help uh, conserve it and prevent it from being all turned into parking lots strip malls strip malls. yes yeah. <laughs> so like that's the kind of guy Tim Sweeney is to give you some context so when he says things like we are out here for the developers I would I tend to believe him
1: and if Steimer believes some PR PC stuff like that I mean I think that speaks for itself there you She's go. the first one to call people on their bullshit.
0: I am. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, obviously, this is not the last we'll hear Nay. from the Epic Game Store's ongoing battle with Valve and Steam. But I thought this was uh, an interesting thing that to bring up. And hopefully, if you are affected by this and you're mad and upset about Epic exclusivity, go knock on Valve's door. Maybe send them letters, start a petition to make Steam change their developer revenue split. And then the pain will stop. Mm-hmm. And, on that, <laughs> and on that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. It's going to be a good one. Stick with us, everybody. We'll see you in a minute. Everybody, welcome to segment 2 of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing, which video games we have hands-on impressions with. And this week, it's brought to you by DoorDash. Did you have a long day at work? Maybe a tough day at school, or maybe you're still stuck at the office? Well, treat yourself to the meal you deserve on demand from your favorite restaurant because restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with your favorite restaurants in your city. And ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat and a dasher will bring it to you anywhere you are. Not only is that burger place you love on DoorDash already, but over 310,000 other amazing restaurants are too. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities in all 50 states and even Canada order from your local go-to's ochu or choose from your favorite chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory, which happens to be a personal favorite in the Drake household. I always hmm. try to say John can't get enough of that factory chopped salad, oh. and who can't be bothered to get all those ingredients in the store? Me, I ain't making a chopped salad at home. No. That's why we've got DoorDash. And finally, at E three, we got to experience Steimer's DoorDash of choice. Oh pie God! Hole. Oh, pie hole, mac and cheese pie.
2: I ordered that this weekend. <laughs> I actually looked through my doordash app and I was it was like piehole 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 and I was like I texted it to Jack and I was like, I think I have a problem and she said well at least you skipped the month of May <laughs> like the, oh there you go the May I didn't order from piehole but uh nice. i've had almost at least one order every month since then or like it this year Good for
0: you, Hey, no judgment. Sometimes you just want to take a break from cooking. And a shout out and thank you to Miss IL for hooking us up with that pie hole at E3. Mm. Um, but if you guys want some a pie hole or Cheesecake Factory mm-hmm. or Chipotle or whatever, whatever you are craving at this very moment, you guys need to go. To DoorDash app and put in the promo code What's Good. That'll get you $5 off your first order of $15 or more. All you have to do again is download the DoorDash app and put in the promo code What's Good for $5 off your first order. One more time, promo code What's Good for $5 off your first order Mm. from DoorDash. I'm hungry. Mm, Mac and Cheese Pie. Nah, it sounds good. I'm hungry. So this week, Britt and I have played the same game. <gasps> ah,
1: I'm so excited to hear you talk about this and hear how you liked it.
2: Well, I got oh. a preview when we were doing some. Oh sh- other no! Stuff. Really? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So how let about me have a
1: drink? Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Brittany's gonna take a swig. So the game that we're talking about is Cadence of Hyrule. So for people who are unfamiliar, this is the team behind Crypt of the Necro Dancer, and they essentially put a Zelda skin on top of Crypt of the Necro Dancer. So this is a top-down roguelite beat matching sort of. Yeah. Um, so essentially it's like it looks like top-down traditional Zelda and you can play as Zelda, Link or Cadence and you get to go around Hyrule and the key to moving around the map is you have to move on the beat. Now, not every section requires you to move on the beat, but most of them do. And it's a grid-based. And so when I was playing with a pro controller hooked up to my television, the game was like, hey, we see you're playing with the left thumbstick. You might want to try using the, the D-pad. And I was like, Wait, I'm not sucking that bad. Am I?
2: Uh, spoilers, I was sucking that bad. It happens? Um, so. Wait, so what happens play- if you don't move on the beat? Does it damage you?
0: Yes. Yeah, so you lose
2: hearts. Oh. So you have
0: hearts in your traditional Zelda fashion. And so if you move off of the beat, you get you take damage. Wait, and if you... Really? I had never meet. took damage for missing the beat.
1: I just got a little, uh, like, a miss mark that said I missed. Right,
0: but did you try missing several steps in a row? Oh, yeah, I was rough for a hot minute there. Yeah, no, I died a lot. No, I understand that this is a roguelike and that the idea is that you die a lot because it's a roguelike. But I just got really frustrated, I think, because... I maybe was just trying to move through the first couple of tiles too fast mm. and I don't know I'm I'm split between whether I'm upset that they didn't have an easier onboarding for the first couple of tiles, the f- first couple of levels essentially, or if I just needed to like slow down and take my time and, and start to learn. I I'm still the jury's still out whether how I feel about it but I did rage quit the first time I tried it oh no Uh, appropriate (laughs) because I was like this game is
1: stupid this is so surprising to me because I'm the one who typically like I don't do beat games rhythm games you're you're like the rhythm queen so something about
0: it just didn't flow huh it Literally. wasn't the ryth- it wasn't the rhythm part. The music in this game is awesome. Yeah. The music's so good. And I love the idea of it. The idea that you can play, I'm playing as you know, Princess Zelda and I'm moving around and I have to like tap, 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 tap on the beat to to move across. And I think it's really Unique that the enemies all have different beat based attacks. So, and then they like one enemy will raise their arm before they attack, or they'll blink before they attack, or whatever, right? And that they all have kind of a unique set of moves that are all tied to the beat of whatever section that you're in. I think that that's really an interesting concept. However, (laughs) there's no difficulty settings, there's no difficulty slider. You can turn the beat matching off Mm -hmm. meaning you can move around the world without being tied to the beat but the enemies are still tied to the beat of the music and their attacks are so you still have to be cognizant of what's happening with the music that actually sounds uh, like how i would play it
2: like I i think i would get annoyed like trying to traverse with it after a while but with for the enemies, I think I'd be okay. So for
1: some clarification, um, like Andrea said, whenever you move into a new tile, you, there is, like, the beat going. And you have yeah. to move to that to destroy it, kill all the enemies. And then after you do that, then you can freeball it around. And the enemies <laughs> don't come back unless you die. Um, so then you can just move around however you want. My understanding of taking off the beat system or turning it on is it works kind of like Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, which is, like, an older game. But the enemies only move when you move. So then it becomes more of, like a tactical ah, sort of thing. it's more of, of like a dance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's uh,
0: true. You are leading the dance. You are leading the dance. So, But it can get overwhelming very quickly. By just the third tile, there were like seven or eight enemies all converging on me at once. And I was like, this is way too difficult too quickly. I was really looking for something that would allow me to play for the first like 60 minutes of the game or even maybe the first 30 minutes of the game to let me get accustomed to this, because I assume that a lot of people like me didn't spend very much time with Crypt of the Necrodancer, that they are interested in Cadence of Hyrule because The Zelda. Legend of Zelda is a gigantic franchise that a lot of people have nostalgia and love for, and the music of Zelda is so iconic that they're, they are they want to try this game out because, you know, Crypt of the Necrodancer obviously had a lot of critical praise, and a lot of people love that game. But I think the onboarding was rough chuckles for someone like me who is not very good at roguelikes um, and who just was not prepared for how difficult it was
1: so i admittedly played co-op and that's way easier so you can yes
0: i didn't do that and we should have played together you have to play co-op because okay
1: some highlights like i've said i don't like roguelike or roguelite games if a game is one of those things there's like a 99 percent chance i'm not even going to touch it but if it's a legend of zelda thing of course i'm going to be all over it you're going to touch it Gonna touch it. <laughs> so Jason and I, we played this through. You can pl- you can finish it in like five to six hours. I think we did more around seven because we explored everything and uncovered all the secrets, got all the heart containers, all the items, all that stuff. Um, we only died once, and that was at the very, very end. It, that's when it got like really wow. difficult. But, wow, you only died once. But this is why though, because when so as long as one of you is alive, you can go oh, you to can one revive of those little, the yeah other you can go to one of those little shrine things and revive your friend because at the beginning. He got the beat, no problem, but I was the one who was, like, missing everything, and I'm getting, like, spit in the head with Deku nuts from the goddamn... Anyway, so, he played as Zelda, I played as Link, and, yeah, it it worked out better. We know who wears the pants in the family. I mean, absolutely, I'm the goddamn (laughs) hero of time, thank you very much. (laughs) I'm the goddamn hero of time! (laughs) So, yeah, like, if you're going to play this game, like, it's way more (laughs) difficult if you're playing one person. But if if you can play co-op, it eases up the difficulty a lot. Um, And it sounds, you know, because of the reasons I mentioned, you can revive whenever you want. I mean, you have to, like, someone has to leave the screen. And what's good about this game, it's roguelite in the sense that you can explore everything. And if you die, the places you've explored are still uncovered and you still keep your key items you do lose rupees and temporary like weapons, like glass weapons and stuff like that, I think is what it is. Um, so it's a little bit more forgiving. And I have heard from people because I didn't play Crypt of the Necrodancer, but people have, have said this is much more forgiving, which mm. makes sense. And I wonder, Andrea, because you never played A Link to the Past, did you? I
0: Super s- Nintendo. started it, but I never finished it. I probably played a couple of hours.
1: Okay, because there are areas that if you just like wander into there, you're going to get your butt kicked. So, I don't know which way you played, but when we played, you know, we went to an area where, we're like, okay, this is way too difficult. We backtracked and tried a different tile where it was a little bit more manageable to start with. And then by clearing the areas, you find heart pieces, you find better weapons. Um, Cause it is kind of Metrobania in that sense where there's a different, there's a whole bunch of different ways to solve puzzles. But the more you explore before you do a, t- a temple or a dungeon, you know, you have more, you have much more in your arsenal and it makes your life a lot easier. Um, but anyway, that was my experience playing it. But I, I fucking love this game. I am, I. Oh my god, it was so good. It feels like a Nintendo. It feels like Nintendo made this game. If you had told me that Nintendo had made this game, I would have one hundred percent have believed you because it has a lot of the staples of why I love Zelda. You know, it has the items that you can find. The staple boomerang, the the, the rods from Link to the Past. It has the bow. It has the bottles. It has the hook shot. It has so many things. And then it has that sense of exploration and light puzzles. That's also really fun. That kind of reminds me of the stuff from Breath of the Wild where it's like, okay, you have stuff in your arsenal. You have to figure out the best way to do it. Um, And the music, like you said, is just so fucking good. And it reminds me of A Link to the Past. Obviously, like... The beat part of it and the rhythm part of it, it's not my favorite, but I feel like I got used to it and it worked once I went to finally clicked. I'm like, okay, because it is like a Zelda light. The temples and the dungeons are maybe like three or four screens. They're very small. But when you have a traversal system like this, it can't be this huge elaborate dungeon, right? Um it had bombable walls, which is, like, another staple. Anyway, I just played this game, and I, I was just, like, freaking out the whole time. I think Jason got really annoyed with me because I was schooling over everything.
0: But, again, like, I'm a hardcore Zelda he fan. He knows what he married. Yeah, he does. He does, yeah. I mean, you have the Master Sword hanging in your living room. I do. So.
1: And I do, and it was a good time. Um,
0: And I think that's why it didn't click with me yeah. as much, because it does remind me a lot of those old-school Zelda games. Mm-hmm. And really, Breath of the Wild is the only game outside of A Link Between Worlds that I really enjoyed in the Zelda franchise. Those old Zelda games, I just, that they were just not my jam. Yeah. Like, this whole idea of, like, you have to bomb these walls and figure out where this thing is and uncover these hidden things. I'm like, nope, no thanks. Oh, yeah. See, like, for (laughs) me, that's fun. I love that. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, that's that's actually really good. That's a good disclaimer. I think if you're a fan of Legend of Zelda, you know, top-down, Link to the Past, Link Between Worlds... Um, maybe even Breath of the Wild, it's, it's a good throwback to Zelda's of old, and it's a really good overall look at why I love the Legend of Zelda series so much. Obviously, I want there to be, I would prefer my ideal game for there to be more depth to it, but this just kind of encompasses a little bit of everything, everything that I love about the series. So for me, huge hit. But if you're like, what the heck, why am I in Death Mountain already? I just started, I'm a noob. You're going to get your ass kicked, and you don't understand that's how it works, then you're not going to have so much of a great time.
0: And to be clear, I'm not blaming the game for any of this. I'm blaming myself, Blame obviously. Blame it on the game. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. That's a good parody. I like it. Thanks. Um, also, that's a deep cut reference that I really appreciate. Yeah. Good job. Got you. Um, I do really love the, like I said, I love the music. And I think... What they did with Cadence of Hyrule is super important because it shows that an indie developer can work with a behemoth like Nintendo to make this really cool mashup with a franchise that I think none of us thought we would get like a an indie version of, right? Because mm-hmm. The Legend of Zelda is huge. And so I think it's really cool that Nintendo's going – um out of their way to do cool little projects like this and i hope that we see more stuff like that in the future
1: yeah and it really shows that nintendo had a a, a, it shows that nintendo cared like don't get me wrong i think oh gosh she made crypt of the necrodancer um brace yourself games i think i think it's brace yourself games trust yourselves and they're i'm sure them, them by themselves capable of making an awesome game but this really does have that nintendo magic to it and i think that is just a testament to how much nintendo is probably involved and it's just good it's a good thing. Give us Zelda romancing sim. Let's go.
2: Oh, my God. I want
0: to wow. romance all the shark people. Zelda shark yeah. people? Sora's. <laughs> <Osaurus. laughs> do you yes. think Nintendo would ever allow that to happen, though? No. but No, a romance no sim? but like, mm. it would be
2: awesome to do a dream daddy with a few of those people. I was people, just thinking that. Did from, you hear like,
1: that dream daddy's coming to Switch?
2: yeah baby girl i did i did i'll have some mobile bat dad yeah yeah. i'll just do the voice to myself at like the airport and then everyone around (laughs) me will be really weirded out
1: i just envision you like at night like in your bed like some candles lit and just like randomly breaking out into (laughs) bad
2: I think that was her name. Yeah, exactly, it was. <laughs> okay.
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> was really so Steimer, you uh-huh. have been playing. You
2: have been playing Dauntless. Yeah, a little bit here and there. Um. So, I. You guys have obviously talked about Dauntless at at length before, and so I was like, okay, I'll, I finally need to like hop in and try this thing. Number one, fantastic character creator. Mm-hmm. A plus plus. Well done, boys. How long and girls. did you spend, ladies, gentlemen, all of the peoples? uh-huh what how, how, how long did I... you spend it making you know it was a good character creator so i didn't have to spend that long in it oh, okay. um mm-hmm. i was like okay i'm happy with this and i i think i was in and out in like 20 minutes which is wow. pretty pretty fast for that's me that is. Good. Yeah. um that's what she said and yeah <laughs> anyways hop into the game i admittedly was a little confused at first i was like wait what what the fuck's going on what am i doing okay <laughs> I, there's there's a monster i stabby stab 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 um what I actually really appreciate about this game as I was playing it, I definitely see what you guys have said before about how it's, you know, it's Monster Hunter, but it's the fat is trendy. light. Yes. And I, I literally I had this thought while I was playing. I was like, this was made by people that have children because like <laughs> this is one of those perfect. And that's not a bad thing. I love that because I was like, this is the perfect thing where I can come home at like or people who work a lot to like come home. And you're like, I'm fucking tired. I don't have the energy to, especially me, like a lot of days, I don't have the energy to come home and play something that requires a lot of attention. Like I cannot do a story thing because I might get too sucked into it and then I'm going to screw up my sleep schedule. And so Dauntless is like the perfect jump in, do a few things and get out. And I appreciate that so, so much, especially in sort of the gaming landscape that we have where everyone is like, you must stay in this world for three f- hours at a time. And you're like, I don't have three hours. I have like 30 minutes. Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hats off to you Dauntless folks. Cause I think that that it's so nice to have an option of like some really good, fun bite-sized gaming. Uh, I don't know. Options. No, I,
0: yeah, I'm with you. I think the team at Phoenix Labs did a really fantastic job with uh, the onboarding when they went public with their launch. Obviously, they had been in beta for quite some time, and they it seems like they've resolved most of the launch woes that they had with their queuing system. I know <laughs> during launch week, it was pretty bad. With Cues are the queues are always bad were. at the beginning. It's true. Servers
2: take um, take a minute to figure out. <laughs>
0: But I'm excited to play more in, in Dauntless. I haven't spent nearly enough time with the game, but the way that they're setting up their season structure, it feels like they're really building a long, um, you know, long tail for where Dauntless can go.
2: Yeah. I also t- I tweeted, uh, it was just a stupid joke of like, oh, I'm so ugly compared to everybody else because I have like the hideous oh, your armor. armor. Yeah, and everybody that. else has like the nicer armor. <laughs> but like then some people tweeted me were like, Oh, the, I believe that is part of the progression of the game. And I was like, obviously,
0: uh,
2: <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got it. This is a joke. <laughs> cool. Okay, Thanks. bye." I have no Thanks, idea bye. what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Lol.
0: Did you get mansplained about your armor? In I Dauntless? did. I did get mansplained a few times
2: about how armor works in Dauntless. And I'm well wow. aware of how it works. You're like, um, hello, a thousand hours in Guild Wars over here. Yeah, I think I think out of everyone, <laughs> I, I, I know how armor works in video games, <laughs> especially cosmetic armor.
1: <laughs>
0: mm. uh, well, I'm glad that you brought up Monster Hunter because I did get a chance to jump into the Monster Hunter yeah. World Iceborne beta that happened for PlayStation Plus users last weekend. And this weekend, if you guys are interested, all PlayStation Plus, no, excuse me, all PS4 owners can download the Monster Hunter World Iceborne beta, and I had a really good time with it. I was a little disappointed by how they structured the beta, meaning you could do three different hunts, but at the end of each hunt, you don't get to go back to the hub world, which I guess it makes sense. Like, they wouldn't want to build that into the beta, but it dumps you to this really aggressive pre-order screen. Oh. It's like, pre-order Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Oh, boy. It's just like obviously I own the game, like I'm gonna buy the expansion, that's why I'm playing the beta. Um, It just felt a little like too on the nose, a little too pushy, but it's a free beta, so I guess I just gotta shrug it off, but (laughs) the gameplay itself was fun, just echoing everything I said during our E3 episode, and really looking forward to customizing my weapons, and customizing my armor, and seeing all the different things you can do, and really, I wanna see how big this world is that they've Added because the beta only showed a couple of different things, um, three different hunts as I mentioned. But uh, I'm looking forward to to playing more. Got to get you in, Steimer. Can I just
2: play Dauntless because it's like <laughs> real, real easy to hop in and yes. out of? Yes, you can. Okay, good. I will say I
1: hopped into the beta at E3 and I was really surprised how quickly I
2: picked it up. I, I, I in my head, I have it's it. It's just more like, well, maybe it won't, but in my head, I always feel like it requires. It will require I don't know a lot of effort.
1: No, for sure. I totally understand because that's the way I was feeling too. But when I hopped back into Monster Hunter, I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. It's mm-hmm. it's really not. I think what's just stuck with me was when I initially started playing that game and you have all these menus and these systems and everything's like buried and it's like, oh my god, what's happening? But uh it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I had remembered. So. That's good.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you,
1: Brittany, but that's okay. Really? Okay, I should clarify. All I played was... I just did a few fights, and they told us what to do and how to do. I didn't have to sift through menus and menus and menus.
0: And they had your inventory box all filled You're up right. with everything Yeah. And
2: all that stuff. You could,
1: yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe, they were like,
2: here's this game on easy mode, but this is, the easy mode is someone line. is standing behind you telling you what to with do. With a developer cheat code that they would have actually,
1: entered yeah. into He's the, was the like, system. He's like, okay, use this, that, and the other. Okay, so then maybe I'm totally invalid here, but there you go. <laughs> Not to
0: say that the game isn't great, but it's, it took me like a solid 20 hours of Monster Hunter to get comfortable with the game, and Dauntless is definitely way easier oh, yeah. to jump into. Yes. Uh, but ah. that's the that's the appeal of it, right? That's the appeal of a game like Dauntless is like, if you are the type of player, like Stammer said, you go like, I got 30 minutes to play this game, and that's it. Um, Dauntless is probably a better option for you because I love how deep the systems are in Monster Hunter World. It's a very classic, hardcore role-playing game in that sense that has really awesome combat as well but it requires a time commitment to get comfortable but that's what's rewarding about the systems is that once you learn them and start to master them it's um it's it's almost got like a tangible uh feel good to it where you're like ooh, i feel so badass right now like any good rpg you know when you get past that 30 40 50 hour mark Uh and you're like really like rolling so you're
2: just like i destroy everything yeah. I will slay all the
0: monsters. Yes, pretty much. But Brittany. Yes. Last week, we did not get to talk about Judgment. <gasps> so I would love to hear all of your thoughts <sighs> on what
1: you've been playing. I am judgment. in love with this game. So this is a game developed by, I had to write it down, so Ryu Gagotoku. Gotoku Studio. Whatever. Anyway, published by Sega. It came out in <laughs> Good December. Effort. Good effort. I, I tried. It, it sounds okay in my head. And then as soon as I try to speak it, it's just like all... Gobbledygook Gobbledygook. Anyway, it just released, I think a couple days ago, uh, the 25th of June, and it was out early last week if you had the digital pre-order. But this is a game that is a spin-off off of the Yakuza series. Now any of you ladies, are you familiar with that at all? Have you guys played it? Yeah, any? of course, I yeah.
2: I have watched I watched Greg play it back in the day.
1: Okay. So those are beefy games. Those are like 40 to 60 hour games. And I'm 22 hours into this game right now and I looked at my completion percentage and I'm at like 19.6%. Oh, oh, boy, this is going to be a time sink. There's a lot of
2: judgment here. There's a lot of
1: judgment here. So basically, if you played any of the Yakuza games, you'll feel right at home. This game takes place in the fictional city of Kamurocho. Kamarucho, I think is what it's called. Kamurocho. There we go. Um, And you play as Takami Yagami, a former lawyer who has had some shit happen to him. And he's kind of like, I'm giving this up. I'm just going to go be a private detective now. And I'm not going to be able to pay my rent very well. I'm just going to take some jobs and... Use some of my ties within the Yakuza and my friends in the law agencies and try to like get by and live my life.
2: So the first 10- You ten never o- go to the Yakuza. That's a bad idea. It's a bad
1: thing. It's, yeah, it's just like it never really ends well. So the first 10 or so hours of this game were, or I would say probably more like eight, were very streamlined in the sense that it's like, okay, mission, mission, mission. You can run around the city if you want and talk to people, but it's mostly like you go here, you do this, you do that. And then after that mark is when it really opened up. And that's when you get all of the side quests. That's when you get all of these side activities. And you can do these whenever, but, you know, like the darts, there's pinball, there's an arcade, um, and then all the side quests open up. And then that's when you're like, oh, my God. And so I'm, like I said, 22 hours in and I've been doing all the side quests that pop up. And I still haven't unlocked some of the game's mechanics that I know are coming that are going to be another huge time sink. But other than that, I am just... Absolutely in love with this game. It's so fun. It has that cheesy action flick silly vibe that the Yakuza series is known for, and it's done so well and the characters are so fun and entertaining and they're so unique and it's so quirky. For example, there is a side mission where there's it's called the Twisted Trio, I think. It's three men who are just like perverts. And one of them is called the Panty Thief or he has an actual name. But in order to finish the side quest, you have to go buy a pair of lacy red panties from a store. And then you have to lure him out. And then you have to, like, he uses his drone to pick up the panties. And then you have to go follow him. And then you have to beat the shit out of him. And it's like, it's just so quirky and silly. It's one of those things that Yakuza can get, or Judgment can get away with. Because that's just kind of its charm. It never takes itself too seriously. And I just play it. And I just have so much fun. The hours just go by. And it's cool because I'm currently learning Japanese, and so it's fun to kind of walk around the town, read all the signs, and I'm actually, like, picking up some of the little, like, quirks that people say and some of the culture there, and it's just awesome. It's just a really fun game, and if you've never played a Yakuza game before, you can hop right in. This is a standalone thing. In fact, the next Yakuza game is going to be revealed on July 10th, and it's also a brand new game within the series, so there's... I hate saying this because it's so cliche. It's something you hear in every E3 stage, but there's never been a better time to get into the series. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because well, well, I well. did.
2: I always watched and I was like, I feel like I would enjoy this game. But probably not for the length that it is, mm-hmm. um, but I would, you know, I would definitely get my, my money's worth, quote yeah. unquote, out of these types of games. And I did enjoy the style and humor of the older, the other Yakuza games that I've watched. So when I saw you tweeting about judgment, I was like, Maybe I'll finally give this a try again. I can't see myself spending eighty hours in this game, but mm-hmm. I could definitely probably do, you know, thirty. Yeah,
1: and I think something—it's something I really do like about
2: it—is it is you can
1: pick it up and put it down because the missions are you know shortly broken and down. They're not very long missions usually, and the game is broken into chapters. And every time oh. you finish it, every time you
2: finish a chapter it's what (laughs) i you just when you said that i was like oh right i played more rage 2 and completely fucking forgot about it
1: well yeah you (laughs) texted me and you're like hey rage 2 is getting boring maybe i can play did i text you about it yeah
2: Yeah, i did text you about it all right my brain's Um, garbage
1: but it's okay but the missions are relatively short so you can pick it up do like a few missions at a time set it down the story is pretty cohesive and it does a good job at reminding you what you're doing and or like why you're doing it there's lots of Detailed quest info. So if you find yourself like, okay, well, who's this person again? It's that information's all easily accessible. It kind of reminds me, it's like ninety nine. Okay, it's like ninety five percent Yakuza and like five percent Ace Attorney because there's awesome. yeah. So there's like I say five percent because you can't really screw up, but you know you are collecting evidence, you are presenting evidence in some cases, and um, it, it's it's just a really good time. It's just really fun to play, and I'm having an awesome time with it.
0: Too. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad you're having fun. Yeah. I have to admit this game was definitely not on my radar. The last time I saw this game was at Tokyo Game Show last fall when it was really just starting to make the media rounds, but Yakuza also was never really my thing, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're having fun. I do love that they have all these really dumb mini games. <laughs> <laughs> in oh God! Slyther games. I'm always like, what the heck? Why is this a thing that you can do in a video game? So but why silly. not?
1: The- exactly, yeah, why it has not? like the perfect almost sim aspect to it, which is really nice. It's a good way to unwind because you just get to a- wander around the town, and there's characters that you can befriend. I think there's 50 total, and to befriend them, wow. you have to do some missions or you have to eat some of their food at their restaurants or whatnot. Um, and so it's a good way just to kind of like wander around and just. Enjoy the sights of the town, and typically games like this, I am not super into it because of like I don't like I don't like cities and I don't like trees in video games. But for some, I think it's the neon and the culture and just how upbeat this town is. It really comes alive, and uh, I would highly, highly recommend it. And if you, like I said earlier, if you are like I've never played a Yakuza game before, it doesn't matter. It's you can hop right into this. What's interesting too, I don't know if you ladies remember this, but back in March of twenty nineteen, there is a Japanese actor who is the face of one of the antagonists in the game. And he had the game had to get pulled from shelves because he was suspect suspected of cocaine use.
0: Oh, I remember this. This this became a huge deal.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. And in Japan, that's a big no, no. And so they had to completely recast him and redo his likeness in the voice acting and everything before they would put the game back on shelves.
2: Yeah, I remember that. I can't imagine that team, that poor team being like, God. Damn it. Couldn't you at least have kept it a little more just on the for a DL? Just few more months. Yeah, just <laughs> until this game is. Yeah, yeah like, God, fuck. Yeah. I'd be so annoyed.
0: The new yeah, actor's great. Stupid actors. Yeah, I know. Need their drugs. Well, you got to do the cocaines. Yeah. Answer, you don't. No? Yep. That's right. Answer, you don't. Uh, don't do drugs, kids. You heard it here. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so I guess we're not talking about Rage then because time is
2: bored. Well, it's funny. So the the shitty part is, so before E3, I was playing Rage 2, and then I got to a boss battle I was not expecting. I was like, well, I'll just leave this here, and then I I'll go do E3 now. I went to go do E3 now, and then I came back to it, and I was playing on normal. And I came back to it, and I was like, oh, right, I'm in the middle of a boss battle, and also, I didn't know there would be a boss battle, so I have no health packs, and I have... Nothing like I have no supplies to make more. I was just like shit out of luck. And uh, I was just like, all right, well, uh, I guess I'm fucked here. And I couldn't remember how to play anything either. I was like, how do I switch my fucking gun? Like, how do I do anything? Oh, God. So like it took definitely took a few rounds of like remembering all of the buttons and what everything does. And then I had to crank it down to easy in order to even make it through because I was just like, I legit I have I don't want to I could do this. I don't feel like doing it. So I'm just gonna put it down on easy. There you go. And crank through and figure it out. So I've been playing it on easy um because 'cause I'm just like, you know what? I don't I've played half of it on normal. No I'm, shame. I'm, I'm fine with that. No shame. Baby I'll ass play, baby mode. I'm um, baby ass baby moding it the rest of the way and I'm almost done. Uh so are you still listening to the podcast while you play? I'm not. I probably should again because I was honestly still getting a little a little bored because shooters, just first person shooters in general, I tend to tune out on. I need probably a little more stimulation happening. Cause this time when I was playing, I did was I was like, maybe I should listen to the story and what people are doing. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care about any of this. <laughs> maybe uh so yeah, I think when I go to finish that game, I'll probably just turn on a podcast and blast shooting people is very fun. Yeah. And like using your powers and shit is very fun. So the gameplay is really fun. I just like the tying it all together is kind of what's missing for me. Sure. We should play Judgment. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There
0: you there you go. All right, well that's going to do it for our hands-on segment for this week. We're going to take one last break of the show. When we come back, we're gonna take your dear WGG questions, and let me tell you, there's some uh, there's some pretty good ones this week. Oh, Thanks so much fine. to everybody who wrote in. Uh, so if you guys want to hear some really fun questions, including potentially an appearance by Brits British accent, oh boy, <laughs> stick, stick with us. We'll be right back. What's good, everybody? And welcome back to the What's Good Games podcast. It is the third and final segment. This is our feature segment. And this week, we're going to be taking your questions in Dear WGG. We've got quite an amazing variety of questions this week. But before we get to that, I have to tell you that this segment is brought to you by Grammarly. Thank you to Grammarly for supporting What's Good Games. Grammarly, of course, is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. Easily improve yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere with Grammarly. They help people show their best self through writing and are available across platforms, including... Excuse me Including online browser extensions Desktop editor And even a mobile keyboard checker Grammarly is available on multiple browsers And platforms And their free product reviews critical spelling And grammar Obviously they're Grammarly But Grammarly Premium Looks out for spelling Grammar plus advanced punctuation Structure, style within Context, vocabulary suggestions Conciseness and readability For different occasions For example, are you writing a business proposal Versus an academic essay Or maybe you're just doing a casual blog post Or maybe you're writing A description for a podcast That you're going to post on youtube.com What's good games like we do I use Grammarly Premium for that. And let me tell you, it is a lifesaver. (laughs) Um, What's really crazy about my use with Grammarly Premium is, I think I said this the first time we talked about it, I didn't realize how often I was using repeat words in emails. And that's something that Grammarly Premium checks for. They're like, hey, did you know that you've used the word literally, literally (laughs) 10 times in this email? (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) You're like, I'm trying to make a point. (laughs) I'm like, my bad. But Grammarly Premium is here to help. So you guys can go to Grammarly.com slash what's good to get 20% off your premium account today. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash what's good to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. And who doesn't want to sound smarter? And at 20% off Grammarly.com slash what's good. Yeah. The first question in our Dear WGG segment comes from Molly. 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 And don't forget, you can write into whatsgoodgames.com slash Dear WGG at literally any time. It's open to everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. Molly asks Have you ever put down a game, then come back to it later and love it? This just happened to me in DQ11. Dragon no, Quest. I was I was going to make a joke about Dairy Queen. Ooh, <gasps> I now I want a blizzard. I want a oh. blizzard. Blizzard. Mm, get a dilly bar or maybe a dipped cone. Mm. Um, I put it down last year at 40 hours and then started it again a few weeks ago. And now I'm at 100 hours and I can't stop. Girl. It's so good. So, uh, ladies, have you ever put down a game? Then come back later and discovered how much you truly love it.
2: honestly when i put a game down i usually don't go back to it unfortunately i've tried like so Catherine was a good example of a game i put down and tried to go back to and just couldn't fucking play it because i was like i have forgotten all of the moves i don't remember anything about how i'm supposed to move these stupid blocks around uh so no unfortunately i have not had this experience but i wish it would happen to me
1: I tend not to come back to a game that I've put down because by that point, I found whenever I do go back to it, I've forgotten what's happening in the story, who the characters are, and then I just don't even want to fuss with it. Um, Dragon Quest XI is a game that I put down around 80 hours in, and I never ended up coming back and finishing it because even if if I did, I feel like I'm toward the end of that game, and I feel like the peak moments and the climaxes would fall flat because I'm like, why should I care about this? But the one game that I do think about was in 2000. And nine, I started a little game called Mass Effect and I played it for a few hours and it did not grab me whatsoever. I was just like not feeling it. So I set it down for, oh, I don't know, maybe a year or something, maybe even a little longer. And then I came back to it. Maybe it was you, Stimer, who got me like excited. I think I would
2: have. Yeah, I would have harassed you until you played it.
1: Yeah. And then I started playing it. And then obviously ever since then, I've just been hooked. So that's probably a good example. But I've never really set down a game. I was halfway through and then came back and like finished playing it unless it's a game I've already played before or if it's a game like Mario on Super Nintendo or something like that
0: what about you Andrea so I have a couple examples but the the better example I would say is the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild Mm -mm. so when that game first came out on Nintendo Switch obviously launch title everybody was very excited about it um I like started a game and played about a couple of hours and was just like oh it's zelda i remembered i don't like this <laughs> and, so, and so i set it down and then i was like okay and andrea everybody is talking about this literally everybody their cousin and their dog and their dog's cousin they're talking cousin. about <laughs> the legend of of zelda and you just have to do it you just have to play it so Later in the fall, when we were getting close to game of the year discussions, uh, probably like around November, because this game came out in like February or March, March maybe, yeah, 2017. I was like, "All right, I gotta play." So I picked it up and I got hooked, and I was not expecting to get hooked in the way that I did, and I ended up finishing it before Brittany did, which I thought was shocking. I know <laughs> it's, <sighs> um, and I understand that you, you know, were having, you know, a very I have emotions <laughs> time with uh with your number 1 video game
1: bay but i mean that's nice the way to put it i just i didn't love the game that much but you know you can say that too it's yeah. fine
0: no but that's i think why i loved it because it was such a departure right. from traditional legend of zelda gameplay which is what you love and i didn't love so this is why it called to me and i was mm-hmm. like ooh breath of the wild is pretty cool i'm into it um, and so that was definitely a game that I did not expect to sink that many hours into. And I certainly didn't expect to go on as much exploration as I did, like wanting to uncover parts of the map and going to seek things out. Because you could fast track that game if you want to. Oh, just yeah. Do all the divine beasts and go straight to, to Ganon. It, but, you know, what's what's the fun of that, right? There's no fun of that. Some, go get some Korok seeds. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> No, get the little maraca dance from the big. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. He is cute. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a game for me. So, a uh, good question, Molly. Yeah. Um. So this next question is from
2: Sasha. Sasha. This is my favorite.
0: <laughs> Brittany and this. Andrea and Renee. I think <laughs> she meant and Steimer. I, I like but that. Not- I'm no longer a person, but
1: <laughs> you are people. You are now Renee.
0: Uh, don't worry, Sasha. You're forgiven. It happens to us all. Um, but she says, especially um, or or he. I don't know your pronouns. I apologize. Especially RPG fan Brittany. How excited are you for Baldur's Gate three? I can't wait to see what Divinity Original Sin team does with that series of course uh, Sasha's referring to Larian Studios the people behind Divinity Original Sin Uh, Brittany is obviously a giant fan of that game she talked about that and uh, Original Sin 2 many times on this show Uh, what do you think Britt I am so incredibly excited I've only slightly
1: dabbled in the Baldur's Gate universe growing up never really as much of a PC player but I did play Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and Dark Alliance 2 on PS2 which I know is a pretty big uh, departure from the PC game. So I did dab a little bit PC back in the day, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to pretend to know all the lore about Baldur's Gate, but everything Larian Studios touches lately just turns into gold. They are just so talented at what they do. And I cannot think of a better team to lead the way on such a beloved franchise. And there's a lot of weight behind this. You know, this is going to be, this isn't like it's their own original IP, right? Baldur's Gate has such a large following or such a passionate following and I'm just really excited to see what they do with it and how they put their own little Larian twist on it. And I'm I just can't wait. This game is like not coming out anytime soon, sadly. But that's okay. PC Gamer has a really great article up. If you want to know like what is what do we all know about Baldur's Gate 3 right now? They had a little interview with Larian and there's a lot of good info on there. Stuff so I don't understand. I'm not gonna pretend to understand. Some weird lore shit, but
0: yeah. If you also want to learn about Baldur's Gate 3, y- your very own Andrea Renee has an interview with Larian Studio and Wizards of the Coast um, on the Facebook gaming page, uh-huh. and I will tweet that out, but what was really interesting was hearing the perspective from the team at Wizards of the Coast, because this is clearly based on D&D lore, and mm-hmm. they talked about how they're focusing on you know the fifth generation of rule set for Baldur's Gate 3, and what that means, bringing a classic pen and paper RPG like D&D Dungeons and Dragons into a a video game in 2019. Because obviously Wizards of the Coast has their own games that they're working on, but a much different style of game than what Baldur's Gate is. And so... I really think it's awesome that Wizards of the Coast is so involved in what Larian is doing because clearly they had to give their blessing. (laughs) And um, talking to the team from Larian about how they got involved and synced up with Wizards of the Coast was a really fun discussion. So if you guys are interested, obviously check out the PC Gamer article as well because it's a much more in-depth written article. We only had about 15 to 20 minutes to talk to the team, so I didn't get to ask as many questions as I would have liked. But um,
1: Larian will not do a bodge job which means a poor job in british slang. They're going to do a great job. Yeah. Not a bodge oh, job. Could yeah. yeah, you, you? Did you, you say your... bodge
2: with yeah. a
1: g and B-O- not botched? B O D G E. Bodge oh. job. This is a super random but like fun story. When Jason and I first landed in London, uh Jason was wearing that day his Larian Studios t-shirt that we got from some PAX event that we went to. Whenever we go over there, we know the team really well. We all like chit chat. They had a spin and all that spin and all that good stuff. When we landed and we were walking to get our luggage, I shit you not, Sven was standing there waiting for someone else wearing the exact same t-shirt as Jason was. Oh,
2: that's so funny.
1: What? Yeah, that's amazing. It's so It was so random. It was just, I was like, Sven, is that you? And he's like, Brittany, what, what the... F-? And they were wearing the same shirt. He actually uploaded a picture to his Twitter. He took a picture of it. So if you go to his Twitter profile and like search around was I think at the end of May I didn't retweet yeah. it because I am like so jet and I look like death but it's a really
0: funny picture check it out now I'm gonna go I'm not I'm gonna go find this yes yeah, and I will, and and I, I, find will it. Ret- I will retweet it for you no don't <laughs> please, no. <laughs> please it's too late it's already <laughs> on the internet Brittany um okay uh let's see here um, do you want to do this next one yeah, right? Yeah, I do sure. yeah. yeah, sure. Okay, so Gabby writes in and says, Hello, I am a new listener, so I'm not sure if or how much you have discussed this topic. What are your views on how women are designed in video games? "'As a girl gamer, I find myself going back and forth. "'Sometimes it can be empowering to play as a woman "'who embraces her sexuality, "'but other times it is uncomfortable, "'especially thinking about why a character "'was designed a certain way and for what audience. "'For example, as ridiculous as it is, "'I love Saints Row 4. "'No one is unscathed and it is a self-aware game "'with sexual themes that doesn't take itself too seriously, "'in my opinion.' On the flip side, I don't have a desire to play any of the Grand Theft Auto games because you can't play as a woman in the story mode. And women appear to be set pieces from my perspective on
2: footage and not from gameplay experience. What are your thoughts? So, I mean, I'm the chick. If you saw any of my Guild Wars 2 characters. (laughs) I have bikini armor th- all day. There's uh, not for not for every character. I have my I have. I'm like, OK, my thief. Yeah, she can have the under boob armor. where literally like her tit is kind of hanging out. And mm-hmm. then, you know, my mage can also be super skimpy. But then I do like my warriors to be like in armor. So I think it just kind of depends on what I think you should be doing, like how it fits. Um, and I think it's actually an interesting point. I wouldn't I don't I go back and forth in Grand Theft Auto because I've really only played the one uh five through all the way through uh and i think it's all about like intention and how Mm -hmm. how it is executed on so you can have sexual scantily clad whatever characters but it will be really obvious if they are there as like set pieces and i think that honestly even if they are fully clothed in a full armor and are set pieces it's still a problem Mm -hmm. um so i think that is really more of what it's about for me versus what they're wearing. Uh, it's about the intention of the character and what their motivations are and what sort of arcs they have and whether or not they're even relevant to the story.
0: Nailed it. I agree. I think we always talk about agency when it comes to representation of characters in video games, particularly female characters. And I think your example is a perfect uh, set piece for this. You say This is my rogue. I'm dressing her the way I want to dress her. This is my barbarian. I'm dressing her the way I want to dress her. It's not a character that has a pre-designed outfit and a set of characteristics and personality traits and a role that the creator has chosen and that you or the player are stuck with and you get no say in it whatsoever. And I think that's super important when it comes to representation in games is this idea of I'm choosing to represent my character this way because that's the way that I want it. And I wish more games allowed that. I think we're getting to a much better place because as women... We all want to look sexy. We want to feel sexy. There's nothing wrong with being sexy. I think this idea of sex and sexuality has kind of been, you know, taken away from women and they haven't been able to fully embrace it. There's always been a double standard between men and women about being sexual beings. Men are regarded as More powerful for being more sexual, whereas women are not. Women, in fact, are openly demeaned for being more sexual. I mean, this whole idea of slut shaming comes from the fact that women are taught that they're not allowed to be sexual and feel sexual. And I hope that we get away from that. Clearly, we're making a lot of advancement um, in culture at large, but in when it comes to video games in particular. I think as, because we have so many male voices and male perspectives still dominating the creative side of video games that we're not going to get as many of those agency-backed characters as I would like to see. But I always use Bayonetta as an example yes. of uh, – of a character who embraces her sexuality and has agency over her sexuality. And it can be super uncomfortable for some players how sexy she is as a character and some of the things that they do with her, her literal hair covering her so body. So good. Yep. Um, Magic hair. But I think it's great because you realize how powerful she is as a character versus uh, I'm with you here, Gabby. I also get very uncomfortable with the portrayal of a lot of the female characters in the Grand Theft Auto series. And that's something that I hope that Rockstar will address in the next Grand Theft Auto that they have coming out, which who knows when that will be. But it was one of the reasons why I was excited for a character like Sadie Adler in Red Dead Redemption 2 because she – really took that notion of what it means to be a feminine uh, person and said, I'm going to turn it on its head because that's what's good for me. But it doesn't mean that being feminine is bad. I think that that's another key part of this conversation is always to remember that women are allowed to both embrace their masculine and feminine sides and whatever that expression means to you is okay.
1: Amen. And that's my thing too. I don't care if you have huge boobs, small boobs, Thick waist, small waist. Like you are a woman, and your shape is beautiful. Like, and that's the part that I think there. Some people tend to step outside those bounds and, like, look at the recent shenanigans with Tifa in Final Fantasy 7, Right? O G Final Fantasy 7, Big old boobs,
2: beautiful. <laughs> I mean, be- she still has
1: big boobs. She does. Yeah, no, big old nice boobs. And there's nothing like she wasn't. They created. just aren't
2: polygonal.
1: Yeah, and it's like Laura <laughs> Croft, right? Like, they're just not. Like they don't come to a sharp point at the end.
0: Right, like uh, that's
2: not—they're not wearing Madonna cone bras.
0: I mean, I mean, did you see Cloud's hands in that game? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're like <laughs> right,
2: yeah, they're, they're like giant like, <laughs> Mickey Mouse gloves. I like, know, they're so <laughs> good. No, it
1: is she. Is she is such a strong, awesome character? I think it's it's kind of sad though when you see other people be like, "Oh, she, why are her boobs so big?" It's like, well, why can't her boobs be big? Like, there's yes. nothing wrong with that. Like, what the problem? But it's it's interesting that Square. Uh, talked with their ethics department and they're like well she should at least have a sports bra it's like yeah
0: hey, that's fair it's is it necessary that's real that's realistic if she's yeah. jumping around punching people kicking people she ain't gonna be wearing a fucking a bikini top and no. she's not wearing a push-up bra no because that shit great. would be uncomfortable and if for <laughs> those of you who don't know how bras work she still has huge
1: boobs like yes it, and that's okay oh
0: my- well, I think my
2: favorite response to this was, so once upon a time, uh, Jenna Marbles made a video, I oh, can't I remember love, exactly, I exactly what the title exactly what was, but I think saying. it was like, men don't know how boobs work or something, it was along those lines, and Jenna is like, look, here dum-dums, this is how sports bras work, they are designed to flatten your chest and keep your boobs from flying in your no, face, d- and then she's yeah. like, "And but here they are in a bikini, and it's the same fucking boobs, but... Y- they do not look. Yeah, yeah. So she has a Twitter. video called
0: "How to How to Trick People into Thinking You Have Big Boobs." Yes,
2: that's not. I don't know if that's the
1: one. That, that might, might be, hmm. the the one thing Simmer's talking about was a guy was complaining because he was saying how female athletes look like boys because they have they're so flat chested, and she's like, "Yeah, Listen here, fucker." Like. You got to constrict these things. And that's what she was talking about. So, yeah, like Summer said, like, she was like, hey, I'm wearing a sports bra. Like, you know, it doesn't look like I have a lot going on. And she took it off as wearing bikinis. Like, kaboom. She's like, hey, yeah. science. Yeah. Also, yes. like,
0: female athletes have very, very low body fat percentages. And <sighs> boobs, spoilers, are all fat cells and, like, mammary glands. So when you're working out like a badass, like yeah. o- Olympic athletes are, you have super low body fat, which means your boobs go away. Yeah. and That's what happens. Just, yeah. <laughs>
1: anyway yeah as long as like if you have your female character in there and you know big boobs small boobs big ass small ass like all women are shaped differently and i think it's awesome that we're seeing more and more representation of different body types in games and a lot of the female characters we're seeing are badass and they're like yeah i'm a badass and i know it and they're very human like they're not there just to like bang into like a brothel
2: or something and that's cool my favorite thing now on the internet is people getting upset that they think that Characters they once wanted to fuck are no longer fuckable. That's my favorite. I love it. I love it so much. Give me your tears. I will feed on (laughs) them. But they don't think they're fuckable. Why? (sighs) Because they've changed the character model.
0: Apparently, girls with
2: small boobs aren't fuckable. Britt. Yeah. Right. Oh damn. People who are mad are never getting laid again. (laughs) Andrew, you'll know who was the Mortal Kombat character people were mad about. Um, I honestly, I think I might have missed that. Was it Katana? No, I thought it was like I want to say Shiva, but that might not be right. Ugh. Something like oh,
0: that might be it. I just literally googled Mortal Kombat boobs.
2: <laughs> Amazing. Let's see here. It wasn't boobs. It was like, they were worse. like she's no longer fuckable, and I was like, okay. Oh my god. People- yeah, I don't know. Yes, it was. Oh yeah, it Shiva.
0: is Katana. K- Katana trailer oh. confirms she has smaller boobs. No, it wasn't the smaller boobs. It
2: was... I was thinking of Shiva. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Shiva's a monster. I know. It doesn't matter. People wanted to fuck this monster before and they were mad that She's now she looks four like a monster. fucking arms. What I, the heck? I mean, people are... They've got... Uh. Everyone has their kinks. Don't kink shame. Listen, there's a lot of characters
1: like <laughs> I want to fuck too. We've talked about this many times. I
2: wanted to marry Donatello <laughs> who was a fucking turtle. So, like. It's true.
1: I have that clip saved.
2: <laughs> yes. Ugh.
1: Talk, I have uh, place to judge,
2: but I do think it's hilarious, and it makes me laugh every time. Oh my god, <laughs> <Okay>. losing. <Losers. laughs> okay. Um, okay, I think we have time
0: probably for one more question here. Hmm. I she- think this one's. Wait, which one? I say it? we should just confirm that we will be at PAX
1: West. The so people. Oh know. yeah. So
0: Nicole asks, "Will you be joining us for PAX West? Yes, Avi,
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: Yes." Um, We have submitted for another What's Good Games live panel. Uh, We have not received confirmation yet, but we hope and pray that the fantastic folks at Penny Arcade will once again invite us back to do our panel um, at PAX. If for some reason they say no, we're still going to PAX. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we will be throwing a What's Good Games meetup. Obviously, we are still several weeks away from PAX West, so working out those details, but we'll have more info on that uh, once we get into the month of August and get a little bit closer to the show, but definitely we'll be at PAX West. Um, How about, uh, how about this one? This one?
2: What do you think? I mean, uh, sure, we can try it. Let's give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> give it a go. Because I like the... Here, I'm going to read it because I like the name. Okay, okay. <laughs> The nanobiologist right? in, <laughs> saying, what's good? With every major push in technology, we see its waves affect many other industries. I was listening to Giant Bomb's E3 show where Phil Spencer was on and talked about internet caps set by ISPs. During it, he made an interesting comment that we as consumers cannot let ISPs dictate the internet. Do you think video games in xCloud and Stadia will be the bastion slash champions that will get rid of archaic internet pricing? Or will it worsen what are our what are currently exposed to on a monthly basis when we get our internet bills?
0: This is a great question. Of course, the nanobiologist, a frequent contributor on kind of funny games daily. That's how I knew. Oh, I got uh, his name, but this is a really tough one to answer because I guess I'm just maybe a little bit jaded about the <laughs> terrible telecommunications monopolies that are happening in the United States in particular. I would love to live in a world where I think that we could rise up as a nation and demand that people like Comcast and AT&T and everybody else who is an ISP in the United States and say, we're down with our data caps. We want free internet, and we want it fast, and we want it now.
2: You know what? All Um, I want is for them to stop fucking calling me. Stop uh, calling me. (laughs) Do they call you? Comcast calls me all the time. Huh. Have you? Asked oh, so to sorry. It's Spectrum. You? Yes, I have. Oh. Are they
1: yes, trying I to have. upsell you? Spectrum. Yes, they
2: are. Oh,
1: asses.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I found that the with the upselling, I'm just like, yo, you don't offer in your services what I want. Please
2: stop calling me. Please Goodbye. leave me alone. Goodbye. Bye. But anyways, yeah, that was just a that the side.
1: I'm with you, Andrea. I wish you know. I'd, I'd like to live in a world. I mean, I haven't been an adult long enough to have paid too much attention to this shit. And that's a lie. I just haven't paid much attention to this shit. But I I think about cell phones. And for a while, you know, I think, you know, it was like, oh, you get two. I think. okay, I think way back in the day, actually, when you'd have a friend who didn't live in the same state as you did and you'd have to buy calling cards and you'd have Mm -hmm. to call a number on the back of that card. And then you would have to enter a pin number and then you'd have like 200 minutes to talk to your friend. Actually, it wasn't even out of the state. It was out of the zip code. Mm. No, not zip code. Sorry, not zip code. Area code. Because I okay. had a friend yeah. who yeah, who uh, moved just 30 minutes north of me. But for me to call her, she had a different area code. I had to use a calling card. And that's the way it was for so long. And then with cell phones, the text message limit and then the data limit. And I think we're seeing that obviously be like, no, have all the text messages you want. Just please give us your business. I don't know how that applies to the internet the, problem with the internet,
2: like with cell phones, there are different companies like there isn't one monopoly really on it. There's AT&T, there's Verizon, there's Sprint, there's T-Mobile. There's enough competition that they have to do that because like Verizon didn't have unlimited for a while. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, literally everyone else did. And they were like, oh, shit, I guess we have to. So the fact that like each region basically has its own monopoly of ISP, like means it's really going to be difficult to change it. It's honestly sort of like the steam thing. We're like, hey, we are the fat cat sitting on this pile and we don't want to move and we lazy Mm -hmm. and we don't really have to do anything. So like, why would we? And the only thing I I don't think it will be xCloud. I think Stadia has a shot only because it's tied to Google. And if Google decides it wants to double down more on its Internet infrastructure, which I don't think they do, but they were doing it at a point in time. Uh, if they wanted to do something around there, they might be able to get it. but I, And then maybe that would open the floodgates. But otherwise, I think yes. the U.S. may yeah. be kind of screwed.
0: That's such a good point. It makes you think of like a pie in the sky scenario where Google Fiber still existed. And Google could say, we're going to sell you a high speed fiber Internet account and we're going to pack in Google Stadia with the price of the internet, and then we'll guarantee you internet speeds to use Stadia. Uh It's like a that's like a chef's kiss kind of scenario yeah. for fiber internet lovers. But like, lol, Google Fiber most
2: people <laughs> and Google Fiber, I think they stopped doing. Yeah, on sad day. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping one day, like maybe it'll be like, oh, we're st- we stopped investing in fiber to invest in some other shit that's way better and not that's better tried- than fiber, not built into the to the ground i mean basically making beefing up wi-fi beefing up cell internet to the to the point where you wouldn't need hardwired anymore um but come on google i believe in you you can do it yeah literally you're the only one i think i don't know about anybody i don't know about microsoft being able to do anything like that they would basically have to just try and negotiate slash lobby themselves um but i don't know how keen they are to do that
0: And just to confirm uh, from this article over on businessinsider.com, Google Fiber is a broadband internet service that Google is currently deploying in 18 cities across the U.S. The service is notable because of its high speed, obviously running up to 1,000 megabits per second. Um, And despite the initial promise of the network, Google has paused expansion of Fiber beyond those current 18 cities and notably pulled Fiber out of several cities where it attempted to deploy the service. So, Uh
2: womp womp i remember i remember having pipe dreams of like one day i'll live in a city with google fiber and like (laughs) i legitimately thought that that would be a life goal of mine uh like mary donatello i don't have it yes like mary Mary donatello move to a city with google fiber you're done. get a cake you're done. That's, oh my god! That's pretty yeah, short bucket list you got there. <laughs> you know I'm a simple girl, really at heart. I mean, maybe <laughs> there's some
1: complicated, but I'm not. You could move to San Francisco, get a pet turtle, and then you could. San like, Francisco does not
0: have Google Fiber. Uh, no, we've got AT and T fiber though. Mm. Mm. What's good games brought to you by? No, just kidding. I <laughs> didn't pay for that shit. But I mean, I use that connection. Like whoa, so. Mm. Anyway, thank you so much to everybody who wrote in with their Dear WGG questions. Don't forget, goodgames.com slash Dear WGG. You can submit your questions at any time. Uh, something strikes your fancy. Of course, it is potentially helpful if you tie it to one of the big news stories of the week. Um, otherwise, we might not get to it for a little while. But every once in a while, we'll pull a bunch of questions from there and uh, and answer them for you. So thank you so much to everybody for stopping by again Please go to YouTube.com/slash What's Good Games. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. It helps us out a lot. You of course can hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast service. And if you want to go above and beyond and you want to leave us a review, that would be great. I recently went to check out some of our podcast oh, reviews girl, on Apple. Me too. And man, there are some people there saying some very not nice things about us, like mm-hmm. how girls can't play games and how we're bullshit because we're g- girls pretending to be gamers, and that's not cool, bro. So if you like what we do and you support what we do and uh, you want to help us out, maybe go drop us a five-star review. Offset some <laughs> of that douchebaggery. Yeah. Because there's nothing to stop them from being douchebags. We just need your help to, to overwhelm them. Overwhelm the douchebags, everybody. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's our new campaign slogan. Overwhelm the douchebags. Amazing. Indeed. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to tune into the streams tomorrow. We hope to see you there. slash Whisker Games and have a fantastic weekend. Bye, everybody.